Hello and welcome to the I Can Do podcast with Benjamin Lee. We're here to talk about tips and strategies to have an I Can Do mindset when it comes to faith, family, fitness, and food. Let's go. Here's your host, Benjamin Lee. Hello and welcome to another episode of I Can Do. I am Benjamin Lee. I hope and pray all is well with you. Today on the show, I'm really excited. We have two members from the Appian Media team. Appian Media is a not-for-profit Christian team leveraging today's technology to create new and interactive ways to study the Bible. By raising tax-deductive donations through monthly memberships, they are able to make their Bible study tools biblically accurate, free to the world, and accessible to all. Their belief is that good Bible study content should be available to everyone. Their material has been used worldwide and translated into many other languages. And you can find all of their material at their website, appianmedia.org. That's appianmedia.org, A-P-P-I-A-N-M-E-D-I-A, appianmedia.org. Their free material includes a video series called Following the Messiah, Searching for a King, and new material called Lessons from the Land, the Gospels. So if you're looking for excellent Bible class material or a home study material, I've used this before with uh, just studies at, at, at a friend's place where a couple of families came together and we sat down each Sunday afternoon and we watched a couple of videos from Following the Messiah with our children and we did a study uh, as we went through the videos. Or if you're just looking for material to grow in your own biblical knowledge, Appian Media is for you. In the show, you also will learn of something new that's on the way from them, so be sure to listen all the way through. Today, we have with us Stuart Peck and Dr. Dan Kingsley. Stuart is one of the co-founders and producers of Appian Media. He is a commercial and TV producer who has worked in the news, marketing, and video production. Stuart and Craig DeHutt, as you will learn in the show, first began talking about this idea of Appian Media over a cup of coffee in 2015. I did a podcast called Go Get That Cup of Coffee, and that's what it reminded me of, just how many great things can happen over a cup of coffee. Dan Kingsley is Appian Media's executive producer. He's an avid traveler and has been multiple times to countries connected with the Bible. So you'll learn about the tremendous amount of work that goes into creating all the content that Appian Media produces, the free content that they produce. And you'll also get some really neat book recommendations and how to stay creative. I really appreciate it, Stuart and Dan, for their time, and I certainly hope that you will enjoy the show. Thank you for listening. Here we go. Dan, Stu, welcome to the show. Thank Thank you for having us. I am really excited uh, that both of you guys are on the show today, and I want to say thank you, number one, for your time. I know you both have pretty busy schedules, and just wanted to let you guys know I've been a big fan of Appian Media for a long time, and I wanted to see... Uh, Stu, if I can start with you, if you could take us back to 2015, uh, just doing some reading, there was a a meeting at a coffee shop that really kind of launched Appian Media. Can you can you walk us through how everything got started? Yeah. um, So myself and Craig DeHutt, who is a uh, video producer as well, we both live in Indianapolis and, you know, we started talking um, that we weren't finding a lot of good material online 
for Bible classes. And, you know, both of us coming from a video background, we're just super familiar with how important video was to telling a good story. And we said, well, why, why don't we just make some Bible content that we can share with our classes and, and use. Uh, and so, yeah, we had a meeting at a coffee shop one day and uh, I pitched this crazy idea to Craig and he was just crazy enough to, uh, to <laughs> say yes to it. Uh, and that kind of got the ball rolling. Uh, and here we are, you know, almost five years later and we've got uh, just so much content coming out about the Bible. And uh, our, our hope is that people are using it and uh, putting it to good use with their Bible study. What was the biggest thing you saw lacking? It sounds like you, you've been teaching Bible classes for a long time. What was the, I guess, the glaring thing that stood out to you with respect to the need? I think at the time uh, I was teaching a high school Bible class and, it, you know, it was a very familiar thing. I think we all uh, three could picture it in our minds that you walk into the classroom, uh, the kids, you know, they have their phones, they're sharing it with their friends, their Instagrams or their TikToks or whatever it is these days. And then the teacher comes in and says, all right, guys, put those devices away. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have a Bible, pull that out. Uh, you know, half the class typically wouldn't have a paper Bible. So here's a Bible. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh man, here we go again. You could see it in their faces. And so, so one day I just pulled a video out of you off of YouTube and it wasn't even a Bible video. It was something, I think, you know, from like ESPN, but it had a good moral story to it. Yeah. And I started playing it. And it was, it was amazing how just like that, their, their eyes lit up. They connected with it in a new way. And then when I started talking about Bible things in relation to that video they just watched, it was like, yeah, this is relevant to me. I can see this. And so... You know, it was that experience that I had that I think kind of led to this. And when I talked with Craig and, and the other team, um, they all have had similar experiences like that. Yeah, very nice. Yeah, it's one of the most challenging things sometimes, especially with teenagers, really to to get them talking, to get them involved, to participate where it's not it's not a lecture for 45 minutes. So uh, that's, that's fantastic. So let me ask a two part question first to Stu. How did, how did you and Dan meet up? And then to Dan, when, when Stu approached you or however all of this took place, what was your initial response? So I'll start with you first, Stu. How, how did you and Dan get connected? I'm excited to hear Dan's answer for this one. <laughs> um, we so uh, back in 2015, we did a Kickstarter campaign to raise forty thousand dollars for our first production, which was uh, the first part of Following Messiah. Um, we were talking to folks about where we could find donations for this, and one of the members of our team uh, was friends with Dan, and uh, he said, I, "I have a, a guy that I know that I think would be interested in a project like this." And he said, let me reach out to him. And so he did. And uh, Dan started a conversation first with Craig. And then, of course, we all kind of got into the conversation. Uh, and that's really how we met. And then a couple years after that, Dan, Dan came on board as the donor. And then a couple years after that, uh, Dan, I remember the, the car ride. We were in Kansas going to a meeting. And he said, I want to be more involved with Appian Media, not just from a, a donation perspective. I want to be more involved with it. And so 
uh, our relationship just kind of got amped up even more because Dan started uh, traveling with us. He started uh, f- photographing for Appian Media. And, um, and so, yeah, and so now we've just all kind of been together. And, you know, I kind of think of Dan as, a, as an old friend. Yeah. He's old right. and he's a friend. So. <laughs> You notice he mentions the word old. I do. I, yeah. <laughs> that stood out to me. Absolutely. <laughs> what was your, what was the determining factor for you then, Dan, where you just felt like, all right, you've been, you've been a supporter, you know, financially, but then making that, I guess, making that next decision to really leap into it. Oh, I guess in some ways it goes back to just getting, um, when we were together in Columbia, um, some of the Bible classes, I would take pictures or, you know, some poor quality video compared to what Happy Media is putting out, but uh, that I had taken over in uh, Israel or in Turkey, you know, the lands of the Bible. And it was amazing to watch even the adults like, oh, that's what they were talking about. You know, yeah. I tell people we're adding color to the black and white reading. Mm-hmm. And so I've loved doing that that uh we have a i have a good friend who has been doing tours for you know 50 years that when he retired when Farrell would retire i was going to replace the man who replaced him just mm-hmm. looking at my life and where i was and uh so actually barry one of the team members has started doing tours and when i lived in north alabama we would get together and talk about the tours he was getting ready to do kind of a uh, planning and debriefing sessions afterwards and so when the Kickstarter was getting ready to start, Barry contacted me and said, hey, this is right up your alley. You love archaeology. You love the Bible lands. And what's funny is with the Kickstarter, there was, there was no video mm. that they had shot already to say, this is, this is what we've shot over in Israel. Support us. It was all just conjecture. So um, you were kind of having to take it on a leap of faith that they were going to do a good job. But uh, so I got involved at least as a donor, but then seeing the backside and what was produced, it was, yeah, this is exactly what I try to do when I go over, but on a much bigger scale, on a much more professional scale. So how can I, how can I be a part of this? And, uh, beforehand I knew Barry pretty well. I barely knew Jeremy since that time though, I have the whole team. I consider just really close friends and really good brothers. Mm Mm-hmm. Don't want to exclude Danny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Stu, let me ask you this. When you got started with the Kickstarter and, you know, just working with the Following the Messiah series, what kind of fears did you have, if any? Uh, walk us through that a bit. Uh, there were, I think there were plenty of fears. Um, you know, it's Kickstarter. That platform is it's, it's kind of a all or nothing. You either raise the funds uh, completely or you don't get any of the funds at all. And so, you know, a price tag of $40,000 when you haven't done anything to prove yourself seems like a high price to pay. Mm-hmm. And um, we, we put that out there. This was a new idea for uh, our brothers and sisters in the church, to, this idea of let's, let's create video about the Bible to use in Bible classes. And we didn't know how it was going to be received. Um, you know, thankfully it was received very well and, uh, we were excited about that. And then of course, you know, 
we kind of were the dog that was chasing the car. And once we caught the car, we had to, we had to figure out what to do with it because uh, that was just the beginning of all of the uncertainties because then we yeah. had to plan production and go to a foreign country and try and film in these locations and all of these things that uh, we really didn't have a whole lot of experience with, you know? And so, and so people like Dan, people like Barry uh, who had been to those places before uh, were just a huge comfort because we could sit with them and say, we, we need to do this. How can we do this? Where can we go? And they were just a wealth of information. So, um, you know, and it continues today. We continually have questions about uh, what the future looks like. And I think that's probably common for most nonprofit organizations. But we just put our faith in God that uh, he's directing this. And wherever he takes it is where where we'll go. Absolutely. Uh, let me ask you, Stu, and then I want to uh, uh, give a question to Dan. I want to ask Dan a question. Stu, did you have a plan B? Like if the Kickstarter did not, you know, get fully funded, did you have a, all right, if this doesn't work out, then we're going to do this? <laughs> uh, no, there was no plan B. It was, <laughs> you know, if, if, the, if the money wasn't there, if people didn't feel like the, this was worth funding, then we felt like we knew our, that's what our answer would be. Uh, yeah. That, look, this wasn't the right time. Uh, maybe we'll try it again in the future. Um, so, so yeah, there was, it was kind of a, a burn our ships type thing. We just didn't want there to be uh, well, maybe if it only gets funded 50%, we'll come back and do a different fundraiser or lower the, the amount. We, we thought this is what we need and it's going to be all or nothing. Wow. So uh, I'll start with Dan. Dan, how has this changed your your faith and strengthen your faith these last few years uh, being a part of Apathy Media? Um, in some ways it has, in some ways it hasn't, as far as looking at the videos and being in real places, real people lived here. I'd already been over enough times that that really hadn't changed anything for mm -hmm. me from that perspective. What has really amazed me and grounded my faith even more is seeing how God has used the work of these individuals. Um, there are some really talented people making some incredible video, but the goal wasn't video for video back into the word. But to see how the responses, the emails, and even the uploads, um, we have a world map where we color a country orange when somebody has downloaded it and viewed material and almost every in the world. Wow. I mean, this, this huge orange globe with some white spots. Mm -hmm. um, and none of that really has been things that we have, uh, that we have gone out and actively sought. It seems like when I try to push, I'm like, Oh, here's a great connection. If I can just get this person to recommend it to their followers, boom, you know, it, it's going to ex explode mm -hmm. and that never works. But then we'll get an email a month later from somebody saying, Hey, I want on our cable show and we're going to translate it into finish. And 34,000 people ended up watching episode one. Wow. You know, wow. that's those type of things we didn't, we can't plan for. And God is just moving things at his will. Um, yeah. I heard a quote recently, and I don't know who to attribute it to, but, you know, God is never late, mm -hmm. but God is never early. Mm 
he's always on time and things move at, at his space. And it's just amazing has come from this already. Yeah, no, that's really powerful to hear. And I totally agree with you. So Dan, let me ask you this and I want to, I want to, I want to hear from both of you guys, but I'll start with you, Dan. How do you do all of this? So you, you travel a lot. You're, you're still doing a lot with photography, executive producer, where are you, how are you doing all this working full-time as a physician with time and energy <laughs> and planning? What is your secret? What is your protein drink you're taking? How much caffeine are you drinking? Walk us through how you're able to really manage all of this. Um, I don't know if there is a secret recipe other than marry up like I did. Um, <laughs> I think, uh, Having an understanding wife is very good. Someone who um, keeps the family going while you're gone for those two weeks. Um, but I think everybody will know when we have a deadline coming up, it's just there's only so many hours in the day and you got to cut out a little sleep or you got to, you know, there, there's things, little sacrifices that most people have to do when they're really involved with something. Yeah. Um, time management is difficult. And I know, uh, for the podcast that, uh, digging deeper that Barry and I did, we had had, you know, I don't know how many months notice, but those, you know, one or two episodes, literally we were still writing the night before we were shooting mm -hmm. just because we both have so many irons in the fire. Uh, Appian media is really important to both of us, but it's not it's not the only nonprofit that we're involved with in addition to the day jobs and family. And so, um, yeah, it's just a matter of, you just got to juggle and which ball is about to hit the ground first. Okay. We gotta, we gotta kind of get that one circling back around. Yeah. Stu, what about you? Are you able to hold all this together? <laughs> uh, well, Dan's right about marrying up. Uh, I think my wife, if I'm standing around in the house, she, she'll say, don't you have something for Appian media that you need to be doing? Uh, <laughs> So there's always something to do, but, uh, you know, I think we we're there's constantly this balance. You know, I, I still am a, a full-time video producer, uh, as my day job. And then I'm doing this. And in fact, Craig, uh, uh, the co-founder, he was telling me just the other day, he goes, I cannot wait until I can say I work for Appian media full-time. Wow. Um, yeah. you know, and I, I, I agree completely. Um, but you know, it's just this juggle and, you find the time to do it. And I think it's, there's a passion behind it. Mm -hmm. uh, and I hope that that passion always continues to drive it, that we don't wake up early and say, Oh man, I have to do this for Appian media today. Uh, I think it's, we get to wake up early. Uh, and as Dan alluded to, you know, the, when we are in the field producing, there are some early mornings and some late nights and we just run on adrenaline and, yeah. you know, coffee and that's that's kind of the way we worked and that's kind of bled over from uh, our productions in foreign countries but also to every aspect of what we do is just you know I'm constantly getting emails from uh, different team members you know early in the morning or late at night or Craig's uploading some file that needs to get released the next day and, and things like that so yeah. um, it's it's a it's a juggle the juggling act for sure, but uh, it's one that's done with a lot of passion behind it. 
you guys have done such a great job using your talents and, and abilities, you know, for, for a bigger purpose with respect to, you know, teaching the word of God, spreading, spreading the gospel with respect to Christ and the good news and, and the Bible to countries all around the world. I was talking to a brother in Christ and he had this idea, not an idea, but he's done a lot with nonprofits and he used the, the language of, um, spiritual entrepreneurship, right? Where we have so many different skills, people have so many different skills and things like that. You guys have helped meet a great need. Uh, And by the way, all the workbooks are fantastic, uh, top notch. When you think about other needs, if someone who is listening to this podcast or have watched your movies, what what other opportunities might be out there for someone who says, you know what, I, I want to do something like this as well with respect to meeting a need. You guys help has helped. You guys have helped out tremendously with, you know, teaching the Bible in a, in a way with the videos. What other needs do you guys see out there um, that uh, that that people could could lean or or, or try to accomplish? Uh, well, you know, I would say just kind of tell people to be observant. You know, this need was born out of necessity and it was from us observing uh, frankly a gap that we saw in the bible classes with uh, the tools that were available to help study the bible and so we said let's just make these and uh, you know I would just encourage people if they're sitting in bible classes or they're doing their own personal bible study and they're going man I really wish I had x mm-hmm. you know then then go out and make it and and Craig and I often talk about, man, we could have sat in that coffee shop five years ago and said, I hate that there's no video available for us to use in Bible class and say, oh, well, maybe somebody will make it one day. Mm -hmm. Um, But that wasn't that wasn't our mentality. And it was, well, you know, why don't we do it? And I think that's kind of what we're seeing in, in the world today is a lot of people have the abilities and now the tools are just right there in front of you. Um, you know, you're creating a podcast and others are creating videos and others are creating, you know, you name it and just get out there and do it uh, because somebody's going to find it and somebody's yep. going to use it and somebody's going to benefit from that. No doubt. Yeah. yeah that, that is very true. Just being observant. And if you see a need, you can do something about it. And I'm reminded of a, a story when I was growing up, uh, there was a, eight-year-old child who noted the homeless people out on the street and he said why isn't somebody feeding them and so he actually went and made a peanut butter and jelly sandwich Mm. and took it to that person and then he started doing that on a daily and by the time he graduated from high school he was running a nonprofit that was feeding Mm. and it started with him seeing a need and doing something about it and so that's that's true for anything and you don't have to be able to do something that some people would view as amazing. Yeah. You just have to be able to see a need and fill it. Just like Jesus said, a cup of cold water in my name. So someone who may be new to Appian Media or listening to this podcast here, when they go to your website, um, where would you guys recommend? I'll, I'll toss this over to Stu for them to begin. Would it be with the uh, following the Messiah videos or searching for a king. You guys have so many great resources. Um, any any great place or best place to start? Yeah, I think following the Messiah is a great place to start. Uh, it's where we started 
we, we knew that the most important story to tell was the story of Jesus. And I tell people now that if you can watch all 10 of those videos, and especially if you're able to go along with the study guide or the workbook that we have with it, you have this intimate understanding of our Savior, mm-hmm. where he lived, um, the history and the, and the culture of that place, and then, of course, the stories from the Bible. And, and so I always think that's a great place to, to jump off. And then you have so many other avenues, of course, we're searching for a king and our podcasts and some new content that we're putting out. So that's a good place to start. Okay. So start with following the Messiah. Uh, Dan, let me ask you this, um, and both of you guys can, can help answer this. A friend of mine, she, she sent me a couple of questions. I told her I was going to do a recording with you. Walk us through, like, how long did it take just to, to figure out, okay, this is what we want to do with following the Messiah. So you have these 10 videos. Walk us through that process with, with the writing and just, okay, this is exactly what we're going to do. Uh, how long did that take? Oh, to be honest, it, it takes months. Um, although everything in following the Messiah and searching for a king is basically ad-libbed on the spot. <laughs> there's, there, they're really? basically, yeah, there's no, there, there is kind of a, an outline that they're following. Okay. But uh, that's the beauty of those is it's not teleprompter. Um, yeah. And, uh, but uh, so initially uh, we will have meetings and Bowling Green tends to be central for most of us. So we will get together at a hotel in Bowling Green. We'll rent a uh, meeting room. Pull up all day long, uh, early morning through uh, afternoon and uh, pitching ideas, talking about things. Uh, thankfully, we live in an age with Internet and video capabilities. So there's meetings after hours. Um, but uh, there's even adjustments in on the fly after we get home where we're like, oh, that really didn't didn't work as well. So we can we can kind of change what we were planning on doing with because we thought this would look really good and it didn't. So, um, but the, it it amazes me the editing that gets done um, on multiple levels. There's a few shots. I'll show some of my patients and I'll say, do you see me in this? And they're saying no. And I'm like, well, that's because he painted me out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, but it's, uh, thousands of hours uh, to get an hour and what amazes me is Stu can tell you that the price that he would have to do professionally to get that hour's worth and the price that we're able to pull it off with Appia Media with everybody wearing three or four hats um, it, it that's the amazing thing to me is how inexpensive we have been able to produce an episode millions of dollars wow so you said a thousand hours just to get an hour of content um it's actually uh, i don't know the exact number i'd asked craig one time and it's several thousand hours worth of work um it's hard to pin down um what everybody is doing but it's there's a lot of work that goes into it When, when you guys are over there dan is it is it a is it one take so it sounds like you guys are over there for a few weeks. Is it one take? We're going to do the best that we can. Or are you guys trying to do multiple takes just to get, you know, some options or the best quality? 
it, sometimes it's one take, but uh, there's always something pops up, um, you know, me walking behind, taking pictures, not realizing the angle, um, you know, somebody getting the camera too close to somebody and, you know, almost taking off their ear, uh, somebody <laughs> saying something wrong. Uh, my Probably my favorite as far as multiple takes um, was when we were talking about um, the parable of Good Samaritan. Mm-hmm. And it was so windy, wind noise. And so we had to experiment, and those poor guys probably did about 10 or 12 of the same until we finally got something that Craig could work with on the, on the uh, audio side. Um, wow. But, uh, yeah, there, there's generally multiple takes because different angles um, that turn out a little better. As you're filming, you realize, oh, maybe if we did this, but it uh, it, it amazes me though how uh, how well they do, considering really Jeremy and Barry have no training in front of the camera until they got thrown up here. Yeah, that's that's really impressive. So, Stu, what um, how has uh, COVID nineteen impacted Appian Media with? Um, production or has it changed anything with what you guys are doing and what are some of the new things that, that Appian Media is putting together? Well, uh, yeah, COVID-19, much like it is for everybody, has really impacted Appian. Um, we went from the beginning of one week, I can remember having a conversation with Craig on Monday, and we were, and this was back in February, early March, and we were saying, oh, this thing is going to be over by the time we get ready to uh, do our next production. And by that end of the week, we were pushing our production. Um, we were planning on being uh, traveling to Turkey to shoot our next major series on the uh, seven churches and revelation in May. And uh, that got pushed to uh, what we're hoping will be early October. Um, and, and so when that happened, you know, we had we had raised the majority of the funds we needed to go. Uh, we were making plans. I had even had conversations with our contacts in country that week and basically went from, hey, we're go to let's shut everything down. Um, we, we kind of shifted gears and we started to see that people were, you know, kids were school was going to be canceled and kids were going to be at home. And uh, all of a sudden, uh churches weren't meeting in the building anymore and people were kind of scrambling to figure out what was the next step. And, uh, we said, well, this is exactly what this material is meant for. Mm -hmm. Uh, and and we had, uh, I can remember a Sunday where Barry actually pitched. He said, why don't we start doing like a, a, a watch party for following Messiah? And we announced it. And overnight we, we saw our website traffic go from like, 150 people to a thousand people because wow. people were just so excited about this. And so we said, okay, there's something here. Yeah. So we didn't hit the pause button and wait for things to get better. We kind of retooled and said, what can we do domestically? Uh, and we amped up our podcast production. We created a brand new series called Bible study without borders, which is a domestic um, series looking at different Bible topics and um, because of it, right now, as we sit, uh, we have over 20 episodes of content that are in the pipeline wow. being edited right now. Um, 
which is more than both following the Messiah and searching for a king combined. So uh, we, we kind of shifted in the high gear. Uh, but our hope is that come this fall, things will calm down and open up enough that we can slip in uh, the Revelation series and get that shot so that way we can put that into post-production. So, yeah. yeah. But, uh, you know, it's a, as, as with everybody right now, it's a whole lot of question marks. And we just are kind of climbing one mountain at a time. Yeah. And when we get to the top of one mountain, we'll look and see how things look and go to the next one. So, yeah. Now, I, I got to ask the question, the 20 episodes, are those all uh, without borders or are those something, uh, something, something else that's coming through? Or is that something that you, you can share with us? So about half of those are without borders. Um, okay. A new, a new series uh, or a new season of that. Um, and then the other one is something that we've just started teasing. I don't know if it's really out there, but uh, it's it's kind of this interesting hybrid podcast video series with uh, Justin Dobbs, who is one mm-hmm. of our writers. Yeah. Um, and basically, it walks through a Bible study with his family. Nice. Uh, and we go through uh, the book of Proverbs, and we actually are in his home, and we see him interacting with his kids as he's having this Bible study. But then we also took Justin into the studio, and we actually had him color commentate what we're seeing on camera. And so it's this really fascinating thing. When, I'm, when we were shooting it, uh, I was just kind of in awe of this because I have kids, and I'm like, I can't wait to watch this. But uh, <laughs> it's, um, yeah, and that's, and that's set to come out later this year. And that's a brand new thing. It's a brand new thing that we hope takes off and people use it and that we'll create more of it. So, yeah. Very cool. Well, thank you for sharing. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Dan, I got to ask you a question here. Dan and I used to attend a, a, a congregation in Columbia, Missouri. And looking back now, man, I wish I would have talked to you more. I love to travel too, Dan. And I know you really love to travel. When, when did you really get this, uh, this love affair with traveling? Did it start off as a child or... What was it that really got you moving? Oh, I guess traveling in general. Uh, my my father uh, was an airline pilot, so we got to travel, uh, you know, on the airlines and go different places. Um, as far as to the lands of the Bible, I finally had my first trip in 2011, and I have been back ever since, pretty much annually. Um, and uh, this year. <laughs> So over there, uh, two for leading tours and one for filming, but uh, COVID kind of knocked all those out of the way. Uh, but I, yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating to travel both here domestically as well as abroad. There's just so many amazing places that God has created just yeah. to go see. Um, but uh, for me, I've always enjoyed archaeology and history, uh, even as a young child. And so that just I finally had the ability to go and see places for myself. And mm-hmm. it's just, I don't go because when you go, you're going to want to go back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've been. And so my list for places I want to go to gets bigger every time I go, even though I crossed up off the list. Yeah. Yeah. I had the opportunity. I was thankful I got to go in 2018 in February and uh, yeah, once you go, you, you definitely want to go back. Help us out, Dan, and help people who are listening to this. I There's a brother in Christ who planned a trip for me. We originally had about eight guys, and then it, um, it dropped about five guys. Uh, sometimes 
people think, you know, that there's a lot of danger going, going to Israel. Uh, what's been your experience? And, and Stu, you can chime in on this as well. But Dan, what's been your experience about just the interaction going there? You've been going there since 2011. Um, that's a, actually, we do a premiere or an event. That's probably the first question we get from the audience. Yep. Over. And we actually do behind the scenes videos when we're over, we'll do a one or two minute video that we post uh, for our supporters and family. And one time we actually did that as well, but I actually feel less flying from, you know, going to one of the cities, New York or Chicago than I do in Israel. Um, and Israel is, is like any, any place in the world though. There are places that you probably should avoid. There's places that are fine to go places a tourist is going to go to are really, they're fine. Um, the thing I like about Israel is my, uh, my ATM card works over there. I just have to tell my bank, so I can put it in, and some of the ATMs I can get dollars or shekels. Uh, all the merchants know, and they take your credit cards or they'll take your cash, and they can convert. Yeah. Um, the signs are generally in English and in Hebrew, um, as well as Arabic. Um, and if you're going to go somewhere, that's probably the easiest land of the Bible to go to. Okay. Um, and you can go by yourself. A lot of times I would recommend going with the tour group just to get the feel for the land and knowing because sometimes you might forget, Oh, this town shuts down. It's Friday evening. Shabbat is starting. No. Where am I going to get dinner? Yeah. Um, so you kind of have to have somebody who can, who can fill you in until you start thinking that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stu, when was your first trip there? Uh, my first trip was in 2016 when we shot the first half of fallen Messiah. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, just the same as Dan, it's amazing when you go and you see this place and you see how friendly the people are. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's, you know, it, it's nothing like what you see on the news. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that they they're very hyper aware of, of what Americans see on the news, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And so I think that they, they they want to roll out the red carpet and they want people to visit and um, we've just met some amazing people. And I can think of one experience in particular, uh, when we were shooting something for searching for a King, we were actually in the West bank. Um, and we were looking for a vantage point to see the city of Hebron where, uh, David would have first ruled. And, um, we, we came across this, uh, this Muslim Palestinian family, and they said, yeah, come on to our property. Come shoot over here. It's great. They brought us tea. And it was just the hospitality was just unbelievable. And then we ended up playing, uh, you know, a little soccer with the kids afterwards. And it's like, this is not at all what you see on TV. But like, this is that's real life. And, uh, you know, it's it's a great place. I just tell people, even though we have these videos available, I tell people, if you can go to Israel, you need to go. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I got to ask a couple a couple more questions. Uh, Stu, then Dan, what, what is your favorite uh, meal over there? Um, uh, when you go over there, what is it that you have to have? Oh man. Um, well, I think I'll probably steal Dan's answer here. 
it's it's the same for I think most of us. Uh, the shawarma <laughs> is, yeah. is so good. It's actually a spice that they put on uh, the food, but uh, it's just so good. And, and we would go and eat at the same what seemed like a gas station. I don't know. It wasn't a very fancy place, <laughs> but every single day, and our we would our guide would ask us, "Well, where do you want to go for lunch today?" Well, let's go back. And he's like, okay. I mean, it's, it's all over the wall, but it's, it, it, the food is so good. And, and the shawarma is, is probably my favorite. Yeah. Dan, what about you? Well, I, I was wondering, I thought Stu was going to say the Magnum bars. They all love the ice cream over there, too. <laughs> Those are good, too. Yes. Those so are really good. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the shawarma or even uh, uh, they do a good schnitzel, which is the same pocket that you put a piece of chicken in along with your salad um but it's uh it's really good although i will tell you in tel aviv i've probably had the best chinese food of my life in tel aviv really Um, that was good yeah so and we had um, some good indian food in tel aviv as well so wow (laughs) multicultural in tel aviv (laughs) (laughs) yeah that first night when we were in uh, jerusalem we got a, a shawarma and after eating the first one, I said, okay, I got to go back and get another one. And I think I was tempted to get a third one, but uh, I showed a little bit of restraint. But yeah, those were those were top notch. All right, Stu, what is your, and I think I may know Dan's answer to this, but your favorite place so far um, uh, in Israel? Oh, man, you know, it keeps changing for me. Uh, but I think right now my favorite place is Qumran. Uh, yeah, me too. I had an experience there when I was standing there reading about the discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls. And then I started digging into the Dead Sea Scrolls. Uh, It just just kind of really hit home as to like the Bible is real. And here's here's living proof of it right here. They pulled it out of these caves. Uh, That is such a cool spot right there on the Dead Sea. Um, And you can almost visualize these people, this community sitting there writing the text. And that to me was powerful. That was really powerful. So that's probably right now. Ask me again, you know, three months from now, it might change. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The Qumran caves were amazing in the Dead Sea, uh, getting into the Dead Sea. The Sea of Galilee was just a a, a really great experience. I really enjoyed uh, Hezekiah's tunnel. That was, um, that was a really great Great uh, opportunity walking through that. Dan, what about for you? That changes on a minute-by-minute basis. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's like asking somebody, what's your favorite Bible verse? Yeah. But where am I right now in my life? This one's the most favorite, but five minutes from now. Um, there's a lot. Hezekiah's tunnel um, is incredible when you consider yeah. when that was dug and how they dug it, and it's still there, still functioning. Um that has always been a favorite place to go just because it's fun. Um, I think right now it's probably, uh, I'd have to narrow it down to two places. One would be just uh, the Mount of Olives in the olive groves there mm-hmm. where you know that if it wasn't that exact spot, it was very close to there where Jesus no. stood and waited, knowing, watching the torches come out of the city, down the valley, back up to arrest them. And he waited, knowing what would happen. Mm-hmm. And he was waiting because of me and because of you. And then probably my other favorite place, though, is uh, the Arabel, um, the cliffs over 
um, the Sea of Galilee. Mm. And you get up there and it's really windy, and but you you're actually just a little bit above sea level, looking down below sea level at the at the lake there. And you realize that most of the gospels, with the exception of what took place in Jerusalem, took place within the view. You can see pretty much 90% of the gospels of where Jesus did his teaching, all right there on the north side of the and uh, it just hits home how small that area is, but what an impact he had. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So for someone who wants to go over there to visit, what, like, what's a, a good amount of time to, to go? Um, I know you can't get everything in, but what would be a, a, a good way to start? Two weeks, three weeks? I think two weeks is a good start. Anything less than that, you're really having to skimp on some great areas. Um, but, um, yeah, there's just, it all depends on really what your focus is. Um, there's some neat things you can do, you know, if you're by yourself and have free time, I like following the water supply. So for Qumran, that's fascinating. You can go up to the dam, you can see the channel where they brought it. And then you can actually follow and see, Oh, this cistern filled up and then it overflowed into this one and filled up. And you can see how they conserved all this water in an arid environment. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually went to the springs that fed Caesarea Maritime, mm. you know, the, and I and I followed and and found all the different places that are still intact for how they got that water from Mount Carmel all the way to this big city on the sea. Mm. Um, but you know that'll take a day here, a day there. Um, you could easily spend months there and still be checking. St- yeah, there's so much to see. That and if you like taking photographs or in our case, you, you know, doing video mm-hmm. here in the morning. But wow, the afternoon, the lighting would be so much better. You know, we got to come back. Yeah. So that's that's one thing I think with filming. It's nice if you have somebody who's been there before because you can plan a little better for getting your optimal shots that you want to get. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot of places. Yeah. On the tour you go to and you see a really spectacular picture you might need to go back in the springtime when it's green or in the afternoon when it's um so always an excuse to go back yeah absolutely yeah when when i went there we um we stayed in this bed and breakfast in galilee and somehow i got i was on the uh the top level which had a really nice view of the sea of galilee and it was just so beautiful seeing the the sunrise and just walking out there and just you know taking it all in so there's so much to uh, to get out of it for sure. Well, I want to see, uh, we only have a few minutes left, and I really appreciate um, you two and the time you've given me. I want to kind of switch gears here. I love to read, and I know you two have very busy schedules, but I wanted to start with you, Stu. Um, do you have any book recommendations for me or for our audience um, that you could share? I love that question. I love that question. Yeah, I'm I'm always trying to uh, read a new book, even though it might take me months and months to finish it between work and uh, my two kids and everything going on. But uh, the one I just finished recently, actually, uh, misreading scripture through Western eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all about how we as Americans uh, can look at a passage and basically get it completely wrong because we aren't in that culture 
that is the the Middle East, uh, obviously at a time which was two thousand years ago, and how uh, if we can really just try and put ourselves into that culture, uh, we can it'll open up passages in the Bible that we've probably read many times before. Yeah. Um, and that was just an amazing book, and you know, reading that book and then seeing these places and, and kind of just dipping my toe into the cultures over there, I can see how, you know, hey, look, you know, Jesus, when he walked on the earth, he was in a different time, in a different location, in a completely different culture. And when he was talking to people and and doing his ministries, uh, these were people who would have understood what he was talking about because of the fact that they were in that same culture in that same time. And how it's important for us to kind of take ourselves out of 2020 America and put ourselves into, you know, first century Israel. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that was a really good book for me. Yeah. Very nice. Was that by D.A. Carson or am I thinking of another book? I can't remember the author. I'm familiar with that book. That's uh that must be a different one. This one's uh, Randolph Richards and Brandon O'Brien. They're two brothers, I believe that have done a lot of missionary work over in the Philippines and that culture in the Philippines is more similar to what it would have been in first century Israel. Um, so yeah, okay. I'll send you a link to it. Okay, perfect. Dan, what about you? You got any book recommendations? Depends on what you're looking for uh, with having six kids of various ages. <laughs> um, we actually do a lot of reading out loud, especially when we travel. And there's a number of series of books that have been really neat. You know, we think classically the Chronicles of Narnia, yeah. uh, but there's some newer authors out. Um, there's one, um, he's a homeschooling dad. He's written the Green Ember series. So okay. it's, it's rabbits with swords. Um, and that's actually held all of our attention. It's been a really, really neat series. Um, we've also a series um, by Andrew Peterson, um, the Boulder King trilogy by Jonathan Rogers, uh, the Incorrigible Children of Ashton Place by Mary Rose Wood. Um, now, those are all kind of family-oriented where all the kids can get involved, uh, but those are great series. Uh, right now, actually, uh, brought with me on this trip is uh, Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus Yeah, um, I have by that. Nabel Qureshi, yeah. um, which is quite interesting given you know he is a descendant of Muhammad, uh, and seeing how he studied and discovered the truth about Christianity versus Islam. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I'm not all the way through it yet. Very nice. I appreciate that. Yeah, I'll definitely, you know, one of my challenges, I read a lot of, I don't really read that much like fiction. So I'm trying to, to dive into that a little bit more and, uh, I'll definitely check out some of those and that may be good for, for my son, Joshua as well. One last personal question that I'm curious about. Both of both of you have very creative minds. Are are there certain things you're doing to you know to to stimulate you know creativity? I know you're reading. Obviously, you're working. You have family, but when it comes to new ideas, figuring things out, things like that, I'm always curious what what people may do for creativity or to kind of kind of get the juices flowing. Stu, do you have any thoughts on that? 
Yeah, I, I've been trying to get better at this because it is easy to just pack your day full of uh, tasks and then not leave any time for the creative to, to, to bloom. Um, but, you know, I like to get away um, with my family quite a bit. And even if it's a weekend in the mountains or, uh, you know, going camping someplace like that to me is it's out of the norm. And, and you're just by nature forced to change your schedule and your routine. And so that kind of allows me to sit and think uh, and, you know, and, and that's kind of where my, my creativity comes from is, uh, you know, I'll think about something and then go, oh man, what if we did this? Or what if we came over here and, and tried this? And, and then it kind of snowballs and you can ask Craig, he's had many a phone calls where I've come back from a trip and said, we need to do this. And I like, whoa, 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 okay, let's, let's put the brakes on it. You know? So, um, that's kind of helped a lot. And I, I think travel just in general helps yeah. with my creativity. Are you using anything like Evernote or do you carry around the notepad or your cell phone when, you know, when these ideas, uh, pop into your head or are you just trying to hold on to them? Yeah, I do have a note uh, that I keep just in my, in my notes app that is kind of an Appian media ideas and, it is just this rambling list of stuff. And if you got it and looked at it, some of it is probably off the walls bonkers, but um, <laughs> you know, and I will find myself like waking up at three o'clock in the morning and pecking something into that note because I thought of it and didn't want it to leave my brain before I could write it down. So, yeah. so yeah, that's, that is very helpful. Very cool. Dan, what about you? Um, thinking of just from a photography perspective, if you want to stay creative, give your kids your camera. Oh, very nice. Um, two of my daughters, you know, they'll borrow the camera. And now actually they, they actually have cameras of their own. It was, you know, birthday and Christmas presents that we spent more than we should have, but that's all they wanted and watching what they've done with it. But I'll take a look at them out in the yard or wherever we are thinking, what in the world are they doing? Like, there's no way. And I'll start looking at the pictures mm. and think that is an incredible perspective. Um, yeah. So they, they have really advanced my ability to take pictures by looking at the way they view the world. Very nice. I love that. I love that. Uh, let me just ask you a couple more questions. We're about out of time here. A friend of mine wants to know, does Appian Media take into consideration any suggestions that viewers may have for future projects? I'll, I'll jump in here, and I know Stu will as well, but absolutely. Um, thousand five thousand stories that could be told. Which one do people need now? We don't know unless you tell us. Yeah. Perfect. All right. I'll be sure to let her know that. And then one last question from my friend, and you kind of touched on this with the, with the Muslim family, but um, do people get curious about what you're doing while you're out there? You know, looking at some of the, some of the shots where, you know, maybe the guys are eating or walking or in the middle of the city. Um, what's the response of the people around you? Yeah. You know, we, we aren't, <laughs> We try to go kind of under the radar, but that doesn't happen when you have six or seven people with cameras and lights and microphones and stuff. So, yeah. you know, I think in Israel, especially in Jerusalem, they are used to seeing uh, network 
film crews and different documentary crews and stuff. So it's probably not as eye popping as what, uh, what you might think, but we have, I have had people stop me and go, Hey, are you from BBC or CNN? Or, I mean, like, <laughs> you know, they, they think that we're one of these network film crews and what's going on. What big world event are you here to cover right now? Um, so, but, but again, you know, it's, it, they're always very friendly and, it's amazing when you go in these places and they're just like, Oh yeah, come on in shoot here. We don't mind it at all. So. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, all right. Uh, Let me ask you real quickly here, uh, Stu, and then I'll one last question for Dan. Stu, if people want to, to help to support Appian media, how do they go about doing that? Uh, you can go to our website, appianmedia.org, uh, and there is a donate button there. Uh, we also have a membership feature, which is pretty awesome. And so you can actually give on a recurring basis. And there's some extra kind of bonus uh, material and different things that members get. Um, and so that's the best place to go. Uh, you can also send us checks and that kind of thing. So, yep, that's probably the website's probably our best spot. Okay, perfect. So check out the website, donations, obviously spreading the word on uh, social media and things like that. Uh, Dan, do you have a final thought or a final word for the audience? Uh, Probably too many words. So I'll just say (laughs) thank you for listening. Um, Thank you for having us, Ben. Uh, It's it's good to talk to you. And uh, I appreciate the work that you're doing. And uh, we just hope that this... uh, both your work and ours will continue to be used for God's glory. Yeah. Fantastic. Stu, final word, final thought. Um, You know, I'm just so encouraged by you, Ben, and by all of the folks that are taking it upon themselves to create meaningful content, uh, having conversations with Christians about the Bible, uh, this stuff being out there, it can only do good. And that's so exciting to see. Uh, and it's using the talents. So, yeah, thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you, Bo. Thank you, Stu. And thank you, Dan, very much. Glad to do it. All right. Take care. All right. Take care. Thank you once again for tuning in to this episode. I really appreciate it. I hope that it's been a benefit to you. If you are looking to support something, I really hope and pray that you will consider Appian Media and the great work that they are doing. And remember, I can do so can you.